The Bible itself is really comfortable with some ambiguity and with some tension and with some mystery. And I think for me, I'm not comfortable with those things. I go to Christianity to remove mystery and tension and ambiguity. And so it's very easy for me to pick up a Bible and think, okay, this is one book. This fell from heaven perfectly, and it doesn't have a messy human backstory because God's involved. The problem is the Bible is the record of God being involved with all sorts of messy human backstory. Good morning, good evening. What is, uh, what's, what, what's Bienvenidos. No, uh, what, what, what's he <laughs> say in, um, in the movie where he's, uh, oh gosh. I love him. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know, but you're there with him. You said I love him. Who are you talking about? Okay, wait a no, minute. No, it's when he says good morning, good night, good, um, when it's, uh, the guy who does, Oh, you guys, this is the worst. Mr. Intro. Rogers? No. When the, is this movie his, in color? Yeah, yeah. His, <laughs> the world, his world is all perfect, but it's all fake, and he thinks it's... Jim Carrey? Yeah, Jim Carrey. Truman Show. Yes, yeah, so you know in the I've Truman Show... I've never seen show, that. You have never seen mm-hmm. that? What? It's so good. Well, no, just watch the rehearsal. It's like a real version of the Truman Show. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But in that, he's like, good morning, good night, good afternoon. And if I don't see you, something if, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Okay, that's what I was trying to do. Gosh, we just spent eight hours just doing that. <laughs> Tim Timmons here with the 10,000-minute podcast. <laughs> hey, I'm Chris. Chris Cleveland. <laughs> and I'm Moy. I'm Moy Donis. And you guys, we've got quite a treat for you today. I'm going to be, sh- we, sorry, Goose. <laughs> <laughs> got him. So we've got one of my great friends and my favorite Bible scholar slash teacher, uh, Mike Erie. Mm-hmm. On again, he was on last season and we talked about blessing and it was so good. But if you're giving to this and this is something you're supporting because this has been helpful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just go to 10,000minutes.com and you can give there. So thank you. Um, I think that's it. Probably. Is that it? Okay. Because it's a lot of laughter it's, in the first part. There's yeah, a lot happening. Yeah, it might I mean, be about 20 minutes of laughter and then it gets really good. And then we're splitting this up into two different podcasts because it is mm-hmm. so good, people. Okay. So enjoy. Uh, everybody, we've got Michael. Yep, Lamont. Steel want Lamont. Yes. Yeah. Blue Theory. steel. Blue steel. Oh man. Absolutely. Um. Everybody, is Mike, this happening? Yeah, it's happening. It's okay. totally happening. Okay. Mike has on his <laughs> yeah, nice shirt right I now. I do have my nice T-shirt on. Tell, tell us. Hello. Oh, it's my stylist. They said I look great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. No. I, normally, normally, I go for the all black because <laughs> yeah, yeah. because first it's slimming. Yeah. Uh, at least that's what I heard once. In reference to somebody else entirely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like, memory. oh, it's so slimming. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then uh, it doesn't show uh, pit stains. No. Nope. So, right. so I like mm. it. But today uh. in honor of 10,000 minutes, I wore a, a splash. Yeah. A splash a of color. Of color. Yeah. Yeah. That's just here to say, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm formal, Yeah, but I'm here to party. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're the guy on uh, like St. Patrick's day. That's got some green somewhere hidden. That's right. And you have to <laughs> uh, find it. Yeah. 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 If you're going to hit like, me, you have to look first. Right. No, 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 no. We just assume you have it. We move on. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no one's looking. No one's looking. So, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, Tim. I'm just, I, I mean, mean I'm, I'm more wanting to. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that bit's going to keep going the whole time. Oh yeah. Tim, of course. So it is. the <laughs> gift of Mike, in my humor, to be real honest, is yeah. that 
we will find a bit that generally in the first part was like, eh. No. Like it didn't work funny. to begin with. Yeah. No. Yeah. But we're going to keep but that you just sucker keep going. Keep it going yep. until it becomes funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The or, force feeding. Or like it could be funny in a sense of humorous, but funny in a sense of like, I can't believe you're still doing this. Yeah. Like yes. either reaction is yeah. great. What I don't want, and Tim is the Come same on. way, and that's why we love each other. Yeah. It's just for you to go, huh? Yeah. We don't want that. We just want, <laughs> oh, he's he's all in on this. Yes, yeah. he's going for it. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. We're not afraid of that. Okay. Mm. Gosh. So, that's yes, anyway. commitment. It's my whole life. It is. Yes. So Mike and I worked together 20 years ago. Yes. When we were 10. Yeah. We were 10 years old. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Worked at the Swim YMCA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were Ooh. teaching water aerobics. Okay. Yeah. Great. And um, what's fascinating is Tim. Talk about short shorts. Very short <laughs> yeah. shorts, but we had like flotational belts on. Yeah. Okay. And Tim, I have to say breaststroke, huh. best I've ever Thank seen. Thank you. Thank yep. you. Thank you. I'm really impressed. Um, And here's where what's so great is that I'm usually this guy who is just saying something that is so outlandish. And people are like, is that for real? (laughs) (laughs) Were they really working at the YMCA together? If you get two guys on that, people are really going to start like confusing reality. Yeah. 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 No, no. So we did not work at the YMCA. YMCA. It was a Christian camp. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Forced home. We were small bears. We dressed up as small bears <laughs> so that the families thought they saw bears up in the mountains. And no, the, the, the yeah. good bit about us, so we worked at, at a great a church. church out there in, in California together. It was awesome. It was wonderful. We played basketball every week together. It was so fun. But we went to the uh, a camp called the Forest Home. The Forest Home. Yep. Probably. Spanish for El Foresto Home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Touche, okay. obviously. Yeah. I don't know if that's the correct... It's, yeah. it's, it's a, yeah, El Nino, Spanish for right here yet again. Not true, people. Okay, okay. So, so but okay. the the stupid bit was that we got. Oh, it was yes. like we were doing a family oh, camp, and we so were. Mike and I. They said, "Hey, why don't you guys go hang with the kids, and we'll do some cool stuff for the adults." So it's yeah. like, yeah. we'll tip with the kids with the kids, right? Yeah. So, so Mike and I, I what 50, 70 kids yeah. or something. Yep. And I've got my guitar. And I'm making songs up, and he's trying to, like, what'd you do? Oh, you started out like Tim wrote yeah. a song for you guys. Yeah. That, Tim wrote a song last night for you guys that he's going to play right now. Yeah. And Boom. then you would just turn it over. And I had to kind of make something up. And then I'd do something <laughs> with, like, Mike, you want to tell that story about you know, this? And so he'd have to tell the story. It was just non, nonstop it was dumbery. Fun. It was dumbery. Oh, well, well said. Over and over and over. Yeah. Chris does not look impressed by any of that. I'm just thinking you're camps. keeping the streak alive. He's, He's been, been to camps. many camps. <laughs> With being dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Here we are today. Um, 10,000 dumb minutes. For sure. We've got 9,000 and something minutes left. Um, Mike, was, this is your second time on the 10,000 minute podcast. Evidently. I mean, you know, I've recorded a few times. This is actually your ninth time. <laughs> this is the, we've thrown the rest away. Yeah, just yes. there are phone calls we've had. I'm like, hey, Mike, tell yeah. me about this. And you yeah. just start talking. So I've, I've aired those. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. It is a joy it's to be back. It's a joy to yeah, be yeah. back here, guys. Mike's been begging every week. So nice. last time you were on, yep. uh, we have yep. re- referenced season that. One. Season one. Season one. We have referenced when you that. Zoomed. Seven. When you Zoomed in. When yeah, I thought I was here in person, but evidently I Zoomed, yep. which meant that Tim... Was doing the Tim Zoom thing. Yeah, I was. Right. It was embarrassing for me and for you and yes. for everybody. Well, can we be embarrassed though? I'm not quite sure. But today we're in person. We may not even get this podcast done. <laughs> yes, yes. That's so true. maybe we should Zoom the next one. Touche. Oh, hurtful. Hurtful. Yeah. It was intentional. Okay, hey, everybody. Welcome to the 10,000 Map Podcast. Hello? Is your stylist again? Yeah, that was, well, actually, actually, that was my uh, pronunciation coach. Ooh. Yep. 
Trying yep. to say what? Trying to say the O's? Sphinct. <laughs> As a warm-up word. Valve. Yes. So sometimes I watch Anchorman when he's, you know, practicing yes, those. Yes. And I, Lanolin? Yep. Like, like sheep's wool? Bob's Big Boy Burger. That's one of my favorites. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Watching I'm Bob's ready. Burger at night. You don't know what phrase is going to get us into a tangent here. We've been going to sleep to Bob's Burgers now, uh, me and my wife. What? It's one of the funniest. And I can do the daughter's voice. I, well, I don't even know what this is. What's Bob's Burgers? <laughs> Man of many talents. Yeah. And when you look at me in the eyes as you're doing yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. that's the part that got me Chris the just most. telling you in that language he feels safe with <laughs> you. Yeah. When he's staring in your eyes. Okay, I'm going to do this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna look straight at you guys. Hope you yeah, guys are enjoying that, this I, so hopefully far. That didn't feel awkward, but uh, you haven't seen Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I know it's, it's a, a television show. Yeah, it's a television it's a show. show. Okay, yeah. It, yeah. On like Adult Swim or something. I can't remember. Okay, I I, I've never heard of it. <sighs> but classic. I like that I reference Bob's Big Boy as a random thing and notice where that took us. Yes. 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 Yeah. yes. Same diff. Yeah. Come on down. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's speak in a bees. Speaking of bees. Yeah, let's do it. Bob. Okay. That's um, the, I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. May it be a lamp into my feet and a light into my yeah. path so I may not sin against God. That's a song? No. That is the Bible pledge. The pledge mm. to the Bible. That oh, we said I didn't know. In I didn't my know very was. conservative Southern Baptist church. Who Did you do a read flag, the Bible very literally? Uh, I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and for the Savior whose kingdom it stands, one nation, one brotherhood, uniting all Christians in service and in love. Wow. I inflect on the end because I can't remember if it's completely right. But that's Wait, I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> but that, say the Bible one again because I that pledge that, allegiance that, to the Bible. Okay. God's holy word. Okay. May it be a lamp no. into my feet, okay. a light into my path. So that I may not sin against God. Thank wow. you. 1980s. Wow. Amen. Okay, so that's so interesting. Mm. Um, right? Yes. Everybody, Mike has a, a podcast called Voxology, V O X Ology. <sighs> yeah. Because it's the study of the voice. So, yeah. which is. Well, and and we were going to do 10,001 minutes, but yeah, the, yeah. the math didn't add it didn't, up. didn't work. Nope. Right. So uh, was a bummer. I felt yeah. so happy I beat you to that punch. I know. I know. It was solid. <laughs> when, when did you? I was. I was Justy, my wife and I were talking about this. When did you start 10,000 Minutes? Yeah, so it was literally the weekend that I left Mariners, oh. uh, where we were for 15 years. Yeah. And I left there that weekend, and there was a guy. I was I was leading at a camp called Hume Lake. Yeah. And Which there was is a, Spanish for? The Hume Lake. Lakey. Yeah. Yep. And, or the forest. Okay. I don't think so. Mm-mm. We're going to keep on this Lagos. Bit. Go, yeah, go, yeah, go, yeah. Go, okay. There we go. Cut that, cut that big out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Don't cut it out. <laughs> so it my le- camp name was El Guape, El Grande Guapo. That's what it was. Really? Right? The, the big, big handsome? Totally. Yeah, yeah. At least that's does what that I call myself. It does translate. That's what yeah. I called myself. <laughs> Nobody else did. Yeah, I went to WWF the other day. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I, yeah. And I feel like. <laughs> the Grande Guapo would have been a great, yeah. great character. That's oh, so true. yes. Know? All right. All right. Good. I'll save that one. All so right. Go so ahead, good. Tim. Back, I'm sorry. Back to letter but, B. But yes. now I'm picturing Mike in like the Nacho outfit, Libre? Just coming off the top rope. Oh, yeah. 
right. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm done. I got one jump in me. Sorry. One jump. <laughs> if that one doesn't work, we're, if we're you done. Miss, if you miss the gun, <laughs> it's over. Just bring the card out. Come on, guys. Maybe Come on. that's the bit. Maybe you just get one jump. I got every one time. jump. One get jump every time. Every time. And then, like, the little ambulance comes out, <laughs> picks you up, and just takes you out every oh. single time. Oh. Okay. <laughs> anyway, you guys want to start this podcast? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. Anywho, the guy yeah. just mentioned, he's like, I, I think there are 10,080 minutes in a week. And then just went on to something else. But I was like, oh my gosh, I've spent my whole life on the 80 minute gathering yeah. thing. Just because that's how many minutes we would schedule for every week. Yep. Yep. And spent almost all week on those minutes. All week. And then we're always yeah. telling people to come to this 80 minute gathering right. because this is when you'll hear about Jesus. Right. Right. This is where you'll get fed. This right. is where everything happens. Right. Yeah. Come back next week. Right. Which is great that we keep gathering. Yeah. But it was like, gosh, I, the 10,000 minutes, the rest of the week just seems like there's not a lot there for us. We have a small group, but then it's like mm. 9,900 yeah. and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I just started looking at my own life going, gosh, I don't, I'm not that aware of Jesus in my 10,000 minutes. Mm. I'm really aware in my 80. So that's kind of where that came from. I love it. So last time you were with us, we did something on bees, blessing. Yep. Ooh, it was a uh, good one. Yeah. It was so good, Mike. So it, next time I want bratwurst. Yes. All right, just as a topic. Cause, <laughs> totally. Because I'm so good with that. Or bingo, which. Oh, it's oh. happening this Friday. Belfast. Mike and I are, we're both. We're uh, hosting. We're the callers. Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, it's not, it's not a big deal, but it kind of is. Yeah. Because it's and celebrity bingo? callers. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> so not. Wow. It's just we're part of the same church community, which actually all four of us are, kind of. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so if you guys want to come to bingo. I'm not coming. You oh, have to come. On. It's going to be so much fun. So I have prior engagements. That's I'm so stupid. Do you have a show? <laughs> yeah. No, he has a shower. Yeah. He has yeah. a shower. Well, I'll yes. probably do both. Yeah. All right. Not I'm going to literally time. call B-52 every single time <laughs> and then sing, Rome, okay. if you want to. I was so trying to recall a B-52 yep, song. Yeah. Or Rock Lobster. Those are the only two I know. Those the only two I know. That's too good. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the 10,000 Minute Podcast. <laughs> so it's that kind of thing that I'll keep doing the whole time. Totally. Have we started? And I is think, this going? I think that is so funny Hello? in my heart, but maybe it's just me. <laughs> no, okay. it is funny. It is funny. Oh, shoot. Wow. Anywho, I, just, I love you. Back to bingo, everybody. The, yes. the four Bs. So last time you were with us, we can't get anywhere. <laughs> it's on the intro. It was all, all about, uh, I almost said bingo. It's blessing. all about blessing. <laughs> and you helped us rethink the word blessing. That was really, mm -hmm. really profound for my life. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude. And for, I think, a lot of other people's lives and the people, everybody that I kind of come in contact with from then on, I really am seeing my interactions in a different way. Yeah. Like I see yeah. my interactions with my kids in a different oh way goodness. now yes. as yes. this blessing of calling out what already exists in mm. them, their true identity and like speaking wholeness or just trying to be a part of ushering in wholeness mm -hmm. yeah. into the world and to others. I love that. So, so good. Yeah. So yep. when we've talked about it on this podcast so many times since. Oh, that's so, yep. so cool. Thank you. And mm -hmm. we, it was really transformative for me too. Just that whole idea of what blessing So big. Yeah. So we wanted another B. Yeah, um, another B. So we're going Bible today <sighs> because so much, as I have so much, I have conversations with people because I have so many friends. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. He's a celebrity Every caller. time I say, I'm always saying that because every time I say I have a friend, they're like, Ooh, okay. big deal. You're, you're a name dropper. And I'm not yeah. even dropping. I'm just saying I, yeah. I've got these friends who are like, whoa, you're a big deal. You yeah, know? he is. First of all, 
Tim Timmons is a big deal. Yeah. Let, let's just, let's, let's get that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What else? There's some stars that go dim uh, and then there's some stars that go supernova. Slim. Yeah. Yeah. So some stars go slim. Anywho, <laughs> as I'm go hanging back, out Chris. with people back. in so many conversations, as I'm watching the world and the, I'll say the religious, the Christian world unravel. Mm. So much of this is based around how I actually see and how you see the written word of God. Yeah. And right. who who's it speaking to? What's it really calling to? What's the difference between it and this religious mm. mantra that we've been mm. given all these yeah. years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that we've kind of held up as, I mean, the, exactly. Those totally. pledges. I pledge allegiance to the mm. Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it's, but it's not, we're not trying to damn this thing. We're just trying to figure out what really is going How on here. How we get here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what is it? Yep. So question is like history of Bible. Yeah. What is it? What isn't it? Oh. And sorry, this, I mean, you guys, please listen to the Voxology podcast. Mm-hmm. I, it has been so helpful for my soul. When I mow the lawn outside, I listen to the Voxology. I do too. Oh, when I go on walks, so I listen nice to your podcast. Too, it's because so the mower is real loud and you can't Yeah, quite it, it hear covers it. out yeah, most yeah. of what he says, but I feel like <laughs> it's just good. But you put noise. in the time. White noise. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's it's a white noise. Yeah. You got to go totally, to sleep, everybody. Totally. It's a very, very soothing. Wow. It's a whole different layer. White noise. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What what is this thing? Oh. And, and what I love about you too, Mike, is that we're also saying this is how we see it. Yeah. And we're not saying this is like we got this thing totally. on lockdown, oh which most goodness. people actually do say yeah. they have yes. this Bible on lockdown. And it's right. almost what it's we're pushing against is saying right. we might not right. see it all. Right. So okay. Yes. From uh, your experience, from your yes. studies, go. Okay. First, yeah, what a great topic and question. You guys are amazing to even tackle this stuff. I think like a lot of us, the view of the Bible I had actually kept me from engaging honestly with the Bible mm-hmm. because the view of the Bible I had was golden tablets that fall from heaven perfectly. And if you have any doubts about it or misunderstandings or questions, right, there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. and your faith and um, you're doubting God or, you know, it was put any number of ways. Um, the idea that we would ever pledge allegiance to a book is <laughs> just so absurd to the biblical writers. They would never, ever have thought what they were writing is something you'd pledge allegiance to. Uh-huh. Because the point of their writing was to create a certain kind of community about pledging allegiance to Jesus. And, and of course, so so that we have this rarefied view of the Bible that actually inhibits us from engaging honestly with it. And so for me personally, the older I've gotten now into my mid to late 20s, the one of the things I've really <laughs> began to see um, about the Bible is the Bible talks about itself in ways that Christians don't use to talk about the Bible. Christians talk about the Bible often differently than the Bible talks about itself. Mm-hmm. The Bible presents itself as the product of this really cool dynamic, divine, and human partnership. I mean, and and you see that all throughout the text. You know, the first couple of mentions about the Bible, where, where the Bible mentions the Bible writing, you know, being written, they're in Exodus where something happens and God looks at Moses and says, hey, this big thing, why don't you write that down? Hmm. And so you have God inspiring 
But he's not zapping Moses into some trance. Moses is just writing down what happened. Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, with Joshua. Joshua, write this down. Um, you have instances um, in the Old Testament where they're quoting from books that we don't have, like the Scroll of Jashar in First Kings, or the or the the Book of the Annals of the Kings of Judah. We read about these other books. We have no idea where they are. Proverbs come from all kinds of different teachers. And and there's one, which is so amazing. That's just like uh, some guy's name whose mom said something really profound. And that (laughs) made it into the, you know, inspired text. Mm -hmm. Uh, There there are times when there are visions. You know, I I saw the Lord exalted on the throne, high and lifted up. Isaiah, Ezekiel, or, you know, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I was commanded to write this. So I called my scribe Baruch. Baruch comes um, and writes down what God had told Jeremiah, but the king burns that scroll. And so the the text says, so the Lord spoke again and Jeremiah commanded Baruch again and they wrote another scroll, but this time they added a bunch to it. And you're just like, what you're seeing is this beautiful interplay between the the human agents that are not being overridden and the divine agency Hmm. that wants to reveal right? God's self to the world. Um, but God doesn't do it. And, and you learn this in the very first pages of the Bible. God doesn't administrate the world apart from the humans. He administrates it through them and with them. Mm. And so it's not surprising that the record of human history of the divine and human partnership and dance would itself be a divine and human partnership and dance. And so one of the first things we we have to come to grips with in the Bible is it has a very human side. And so things like genre and literary um, critique and design, concepts like scribal history and manuscript transmission, like all of that's legit. But because God's involved, we use words like authority and inspiration Mm -hmm. to realize, okay, this package, however it came to us, is what God wanted us to have. Mm. That's the part where I don't trust the Bible because the Bible's awesome. I trust the Bible because God, I trust God. And the reason I trust God is because Jesus has been revealed to just be the most beautiful human ever. And if God's like that, then I absolutely trust that God has arranged for us the the right amount and the right delivery mechanism to provoke the kind of faith that God wants for us to have. Mm. There's even a text, though, where... Peter will refer to Paul's writings as scripture, but then say they're very hard to understand. Hmm. And it's just it's just interesting that that the Bible itself is really comfortable with some ambiguity and with some tension and with some mystery. And I think for me, I'm not comfortable mm-hmm. with those things. Mm-hmm. I go to Christianity to remove mystery and tension and ambiguity. Mm. Yeah. And so it's very easy for me to pick up a Bible and think, okay, this is one book. Right. And this is, uh, this fell from heaven uh, perfectly. And it doesn't have a messy human backstory because God's involved. The problem is the Bible is the record of God being involved with all sorts of messy Messy human backstory. Right. And so, so it's not shocking when you come to the Bible and listen to what it says about itself. You don't get the golden tablet view. Instead, you Mm -hmm. get this really invigorating picture of an entire library. So when we go into a library, you go into Barnes & Noble or a Mm -hmm. bookstore or whatever, and they have different sections telling you what kind of literature. 
that is a very helpful thing, right? So this is the science section. And I know that I'm going to read the science section very differently than how I read the science fiction section, right? Mm -hmm, right. I have two totally different sets of assumptions. Or when mm -hmm. I go to the uh, historical biography section, I understand what, what I'm reading here is, you know, proclaiming to be history. That's far different than if I go to the poetry section. Yeah. The Bible doesn't have those same markers unless you're paying really close attention. So it's very easy to pick up the Bible and think it's one book. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not. And so we read it if we think it's one book. We read it very flatly. Yeah. So and and that's what people say when they say, Well, I just read the Bible literally. The problem the Bible says with, it. Yeah, that settles it. That settles it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, whatever. And the problem with that, of course, is that you would never do that in a Barnes and Noble bookstore. Mm -hmm. Right? You would never do that in a college library. But we come to the Bible and we and we think all of that goes out the window. And it's just literally all it is is God's words and God's approval mm. of the kinds of things that God's after. And you realize, no, that's not how this is working. Instead, you've got poetry, which you understand differently than apocalypse, which you understand differently than prophecy, which you understand differently than history. And so the very damaging thing that we often do is we ha have a view of the Bible that prevents us from ever really engaging with it honestly. Mm -hmm. And when we engage, engage with it. We've been taught that the own, the best way to engage with it is literal. Yeah. yeah. And so everything that happened, no matter what kind of literature it's found in actually happened mm -hmm. the way it's described. Example. Oh, I mean, goodness. Uh, take Jesus's parables. I mean, this is kind of an extreme example. Right. When Jesus talks about a father had two sons and the younger son ran off with the inheritance. Nobody in the original audience was thinking, I wonder who he's talking about. Everyone knew the parabolic form. Just if I said to you, hey, two guys walked into a bar. Yeah. Right. You would not be looking for the bar. Where? Right. Exactly. <laughs> or, or if I said a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, uh -huh. you would know now we're in the Star Wars universe. Or if I say once upon a time and then end a story with happily ever after, you know, we're into a fairy tale. So we do this with, we do this automatically, mm -hmm. right? If I say the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want, you know, I've just quoted poetry. If I say for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Now, now we're reading gospel. And so there are genre clues all over the Bible. We've just never been taught to sort of look for them. Mm -hmm. And so it comes to us as this kind of flattened, non-library of, of yeah. books that when you when you turn so so I, I I argue you shouldn't take the Bible literally, you should take it literarily. Mm -hmm. Where it's supposed to be taken literally, we take it literally. Right? When Luke says, well, it was the seventh year of this person's reign over here and they went to this space, I take that literally. But when you get into like the Genesis account, there are enough genre clues in there to say that, no, no, what Genesis is doing is it's interacting with other ancient Mesopotamian stories mm -hmm. and using some of those motifs to undercut the worship of other gods and promote the true value of the one God, Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So being clear on, and this has taken me years to unravel. Mm -hmm. And I think people get really nervous mm -hmm. when you start making some of these distinctions. Even what you just said would make a lot of people a lot yes. of people nervous. Yes. Yes. Like yes. The, if the creation story didn't happen exactly like it's written twice. Right. Um <laughs> what you know, like then right. the whole thing falls apart. Yes. And oh Chris, that's such a good point. 
And we've presented part of the golden tablet view is if there's anything wrong with any part of it, the whole thing needs to be thrown out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just not how ancient writers would have looked at the work they were doing. Yeah. So ancient writers had far different understandings of what counted as history, what counted as biography, the stylized ways that they would recount military history, for instance. Hmm. When you when you read about the Israelites conquering and wiping out every man, woman, and child of this tribe, and then literally several, you know, verses later it says, Yeah, and there were still people of that tribe in the land with them. Hmm. This is just this is what ancient peoples did. Yeah. Now, see, to me, none of this threatens the beauty of the Bible, because if we allow the Bible to speak for itself, it becomes far more compelling. See, the messiness is one of the reasons why I actually trust it. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you're looking at the gospel accounts and you have one gospel saying, well, no, there were two lepers at the gate. Yeah. And then there was another gospel that said, no, it was just one leper. And there could have been two. And he only mentioned when I got it, but I don't have to force it because the the fact that those that there are minor variations in the story they tell actually shows they weren't colluding mm-hmm. and they just were repeating the same story word for word yeah. from one common source. No, we actually have multiple sources. The fact that the gospels include really embarrassing details about their, their own authors yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. and the Jesus character. I mean, all of that's a big deal. Um, and the reason it's a big deal is even the most skeptical historians will grant the historicity of something called the criterion of embarrassment, which hmm. means the more embarrassing a story is huh. to to its authors or to its subject, the more likely it is to be true because you would not include it. Interesting. And so you have so many embarrassing details in the Gospels. Right. Where Jesus is misunderstood. He's called demon-possessed. They actually call him illegitimate Hmm. uh, in John 8 and in Mark 6. They actually refer to like his birth under questionable circumstances. So why would you invent the virgin birth if that was going to cloud the ministry of Jesus? Even 200 years later, we have a reference from an anti-Christian writer who says that Mary um, had an affair with a Roman soldier. Like that's how common Hmm. that thing was. And some would argue, well, no, the virgin birth was invented to cover that. Uh, And Mm. we would hold, no, no, the the virgin birth is the explanation for why there was a scandal. But the early Christian writers wouldn't invent questionable circumstances around Jesus's birth, knowing that there was actually a theological word for that, mamzer, and that children under Ill- born under illegitimate circumstances or questionable circumstances um, were not seen as fully Jewish. Mm. So it, you have this beautifully, wonderfully human book, and its humanness does not threaten the fact that God works in and through it. Yeah. In the same way that we would all say, God works through me, mm-hmm. and I'm as jacked up as anybody else. Mm-hmm. So when we approach the Bible... One of the things we have to overcome is the realization that God is involved, and that doesn't mean humans aren't. Right. Mm-hmm. And humans are involved, and that doesn't mean God isn't. Mm-hmm. But God has actually arranged, without overriding the personalities or the worldviews of the writers, to have exactly what he wants us to have, to cultivate the kind of faith uh, he wants us to embody. So those, those books that were mentioned that, I forget what you even said, you know, the, the book of... Zophar or whatever. Yes. Uh, or the scrolls of the wars of the Lord. Yeah. And your your take would be that God just didn't want those in there or they would have been great. Just who knows? Just didn't make it in. So I would, I would, I don't, I, I'm not at all um, aware 
about the formation of the Hebrew Bible and the decisions that were made. I'm more aware of how the New Testament sort of came together. Hmm. But in both instances, I mean, you have uh, an entire edition in a lot of Catholic Bibles called the Apocrypha, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that of Jewish writings uh-huh. that contain history, and they certainly give us insight into the worldview of the Jews of Jesus's day. But they weren't part of the original Hebrew Bible, and that's why, as Protestants, we didn't include them. Although there are good things to be learned there. Yeah. So in some cases, it, it wasn't a matter of. Uh, whether or not there was something true in those books, because obviously there were, if we quoted right, them and, right. and and reminded the Hebrew audience that, oh, yeah, there are these books over here that you can check if you want to read more about Josiah's reign. Mm-hmm. But it's the, the idea that the community somehow saw inspiration in them yeah. that was over and above whatever the historical or you know prophetic sort of accounts there were. Mm-hmm. And particularly with the New Testament, there seems to be, as the eyewitnesses began to die, there seems to be a very concerted effort by the early church to uh, collect those writings and the writings of the eyewitnesses' disciples, right? So Mark Mm -hmm. is channeling Peter's preaching, for instance. Um, Luke was not an eyewitness, but is channeling every... There's there's some great scholarship that is arguing that every time Luke mentions a name in uh, the Gospel of Luke, it's actually someone he's talked to. Oh, and, and then John offers this really kind of poetic, theopoetic narrative that's built around the seven days of creation. And so you have this beautiful stuff happening, but it's being provoked because the eyewitnesses are dying. And so the early church communities, we have, we have Gospels of Thomas, Gospels of Mary, right. Gospels of Peter. Right. We have tons of other writings from uh, Christians, supposedly. And, um, and the reason those were left out wasn't because a group of old men and, you know, in a council uh, in the 300s, you know, said, hey, we don't want any women involved here. And so we're going to exclude books that include women, a la the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. But rather, if it was the product of an eyewitness or the, an eyewitness's mm. deputized representative, and it cohered with the other writings we have mm. from that eyewitnesses that, that are that eyewitness, then yes, mm. that it was part of the corpus that would began to circulate. And there were different versions of it, particularly Eastern versus Western. And that's where mm. the councils came in. And there was disagreement our books like Revelation. There was one section of the church that was not familiar with apocalyptic writing because they were mostly Greek. Mm-hmm. So they were very suspicious yeah. of the letter. Yes, but there was another part of the church that was more Hebraic and aware of sort of um, ancient Near Eastern thought patterns. And uh, we're to- they were totally comfortable with Revelation mm-hmm. as apocalypse, mm-hmm. as scripture. And so you do have Disputes over those Describe things. Describe what apocalyptic literature is really quick. Yes, that's a great question. Because Revelation turns out to be one of the books right. that is by far the most misused. Mm. So um, apocalyptic literature, uh, the word apocalypse or apocalypsis means unveiling. And the, the, the idea behind mm. apocalyptic literature was you're seeing events on a human plane, but there's actually something else happening and, and that something else is going to be unveiled in apocalyptic writing. So apocalyptic writing um, was very compelling among minority and uh, persecuted groups. Okay. Because what you would do is you would say, hey, we're being persecuted by the Babylonians. 
and this is awful. And then you'd get a glimpse into like, no, no, but Yahweh still on the throne and here comes a new Exodus and bam, that would be an unveiling. Yeah. So there, for them, there was not a lot of distinction between events on earth and events in heaven. They mirrored each other. And so unveiling the apocalyptic genre was a way to unveil what was happening behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And so there were all sorts of conventions that is particularly around Jewish apocalypses. So they were always symbolic. There's a ton of symbolism yeah. in an apocalypse. So what some folks in American churches have done has been taking the symbolism and said, no, no, no. This is actually just to be read literally. So there is a it's seven like a, year. a future Futuristic, yes. yes. They call it calendarizing. Yeah. So what the what Revelation is, is a predictive calendar of how the world's going to end. Uh-huh. When Revelation, the book of Revelation is three things, and it says it's three things. First, it's an apocalypse. The, little, the first sentence is the apocalypse of Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. So it's not the unveiling of the Antichrist. It's not the unveiling of the rapture. It is the unveiling of Jesus. Second thing it says is, blessed is the word, the, the one who hear or reads uh, the words of this prophecy. And prophecy in the Bible isn't fortune-telling. Mm-hmm. Prophecy is always about faithful living today. Okay. Even if there is a future referent, it's always about faithful living today. Uh, always. Here and now. And then lastly, it's an epistle. John actually said, there's a, there's an epistle greeting where he says, you know, John, to the churches, seven churches in Asia Minor. And uh-huh. then he greets them. And then at the end, there's this grace and peace to you, blah, 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 uh-huh. blah. Epistle being a? A letter. A letter. From yeah. a pastor to churches. Now, the genre indications of uh, an epistle are things like uh, an epistle would have made sense to its original audience. Mm-hmm. So Revelation was written as a code book for people 2000 years later. Mm-hmm. The original audience would have understood it. And even in the book, we're going to talk about this a journey. Uh-huh. So I'm stealing this, uh-huh. this huge conversation we're going to have in the fall. But the author will say, I think it's seven times, I think. Well, no, maybe that's the blessing. But the author will say several times. Let the reader understand. Those who have ears to hear yes. that thing, right? Yes. Which is, every letter. Yes. Which is saying, hey, just you you get this, right? Uh-huh. The assumption is that you would have understood the yeah. book of Revelation. Yeah, yeah. Now, now some of the, the Revelation has so much Old Testament backstory that if you're Greek, you would have missed a bunch of it. No question about it. But if you were, uh, you know, the assumption behind its writing is that you would have understood it. And because it's a prophecy, it would have been designed to help you live faithfully in persecution. And because it's an apocalypse, it was showing you that Caesar was not on the throne, Mm -hmm. but the lamb who was slain and the one who sits on the throne sit on the throne together. Hmm. So, I mean, it's this incredible picture of Jesus of Nazareth and and the whole Old Testament story being recapitulated around him. And at the same time, it's a subversive narrative about the imperial propaganda huh. and worship of the emperor of the day. And somehow we've created... Right. Apache helicopters. and <laughs> I've uh, Instagram-lived this movie, uh, me re-watching as an adult that, oh, no. that I was shown as a kid. Yes. Oh, you've talked about where this. Where they're yeah. like uh, chopping people's heads off yes. and like killing everybody. Is it the balloon? Stuff? The balloon releases at the end? Is I, that what it was? I can't remember exactly that. what it's Thief called. Thief in the Night or something? Thief in the Night. Yeah, yes. yeah. Something like that. So like, how did we get from like that, which sounds so 
reasonable, right? With a little bit of thought to thief in the night, like where I think, like we kind of accept, okay, we're going to be thrown into uh, this fire, like the earth will be consumed in fire, and a new heaven and earth will come, like all these things, and so how do we get there? What can we like take from that? That's good. Yeah. Is oh, there anything great. predictive there? Is it yeah. just all like for today? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. This is what do really, we do with it? This is for the whole Bible, though. I mean, it, it, it's the yeah. same. It's, it's an same, example. It's an example. I think of Revelation how is probably like the most extreme because we've taken mm-hmm. it. It's a good we've call. we've yeah. created things like the rapture, and we've created things like it's like what is real, right? Uh, what What do we think and and what isn't? I think maybe mm-hmm. that's the easiest. Who way is to, it to? Who is it for? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Well, I mean, okay, first, there are so many smart people who would just, who would sit behind what's called like a progressive dispensational view of the book. So dispensationalism is the view that's represented in all the left behind stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's some very sophisticated thinkers, authors, and Jesus lovers who hold that view. Mm -hmm. So people would disagree with me, of course. The, the the truthfulness of the Bible doesn't always translate into the correctness of its interpreters, right? So lots of room for disagreement here. Yeah. Part of the reason why that view has gained so much traction, and you can actually go back. The view is only uh, 250 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not held uh, much earlier than that, is that America became in the minds of Americans a central figure on the world stage. Mm-hmm. And had a bit of God's chosen people, mm. like we're a new sort of Israel. New Israel, yeah. And and so all of a sudden, uh, there was an impulse to see on the grand stage of last things America play a part. I think that was an impulse. I think another impulse is as you go through apocalyptic writings. There are writings that have been, since been discovered um, in the like the Dead Sea Scrolls, mm-hmm. for example, that they didn't have when this view really ascended into prominence. Yeah, um, and so we don't we didn't know. I mean, we didn't know a lot about it. It was like there was this interp- interpretation of Daniel about seventy years of weeks, and then mm-hmm. you rolled that into the formation of Israel. So isn't and Daniel an apocalyptic book as well? There are parts of it, yes, okay. and that's why. If you're ever around prophecy experts, you're going to get Daniel, Ezekiel, uh, and Revelation all packaged together because those are uh, apocalyptic writings or mm-hmm. at least contain a lot of emphasis mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that is a unique, a uniquely American impulse, not only in a national level, but but the uh, the the sense of escape. Uh, the the revivalist gospel was a gospel of escapism. It was uh-huh. a gospel of leaving your body and your soul Which ascending, like very uh-huh. much Billy Graham yes. in the last hundred years. Yes, absolutely. Right. But that but that view of Revelation really fit that because there's a tribulation. The church is raptured out before that, and then there's a millennium. It's all burn. Yes, gonna burn. yes, 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 yes. So I think there were, I mean, a confluence of reasons why that became super attractive. As we've learned more about apocalyptic writing, though, we've begun to see, oh, there are all of these conventions that Mm -hmm. all the apocalyptic writers used. So like, and you even see this in the Bible itself. So the Old Testament, like describing the fall of of, um, one of the big cities, you'll read about the sun, you know, turning to Mm -hmm. blood and the moon falling from the sky. We get to Revelation, we're like, well, that really happens. 
But when you're reading like Old Testament apocalyptic literature, this is just the stock language that was used mm-hmm. when something cataclysmic happens on the earth. Yeah. Of course it'd be mirrored in the heavens, but not literally. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I think one of the great gifts of recent scholarship in the last 30 years has been approaching Revelation with the genre clues intact without mm-hmm. a whole bunch of prior assumptions about mm-hmm. the, whether it's predictive or not. Yeah. Because there are, you know, there are folks that actually say that there's nothing predictive in it at all. It had, what it was talking about was the fall of Jerusalem uh-huh. to the Romans in AD 70, and that's what it dealt with. That's an early date for Revelation. I actually think it's written during the reign of the Emperor Domitian in the 90s, which is a late date for Revelation. And there are a bunch of it that's talking that's talking exactly about what's happening in that day. And I think there's some that's still to come, of course. Mm-hmm. So to your question about is there anything good from that view, it has a picture of God who is triumphant over evil, which I love. But it, it succumbs to a combat myth that Jesus is coming with a sword. I mean, this this was a Mark Driscoll thing. He always talked about uh, when Jesus comes back, right. man, it's going to be bloody. Yeah. <sighs> and and that totally neglects the whole lamb that was slain image. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the book itself and martyrdom. Yeah. See, Jesus speaks with authority to martyrs in the book because mm-hmm. he himself was martyred. And so he's, they are crying out to him for redemption and vindication, but the redemption and vindication come through martyrdom, not around it. Hmm. Wow. And so it's, it's like any part of the Bible. And I'm guilty of this as anybody else, right? I can hijack that thing and make it say about anything. Yeah. And so there are, you know, there's a vision of masculinity that certain people like Driscoll want to pull out of revelation that just, it doesn't take the whole book into account. I think the other thing that that is super difficult about Revelation is it is chock full of Old Testament allusions and references, and none of us are Old Testament people. Yeah. Right? Reading reading the Old Testament once every three years in our one-year Bible, that doesn't do it. Yeah. That doesn't do it. The author, John, was immersed in the symbolic universe of the Old Testament. And so there are references galore to stuff that just swim right yeah. over us. Yeah. Because, okay, I mean, when was the last time we've read Ezekiel? I couldn't tell you. But mm-hmm. even the lens that I read it with is so skewed right? a certain way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, well, yeah, think about that lens. Mm-hmm. The lens is I'm an individual. Mm-hmm. The Bible, I'm a hermeneutical narcissist, which means I think the Bible is about me, for to me, me for yeah. me. Right. Right. And I just can't help myself. So any promise given to Israel, well, that applies to me. Any, you know... And that's really where we get into trouble is we'll claim biblical promises and think, oh, okay, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I desire to prosper you. Um, but we won't claim the fact that right before that in Jeremiah 29, he says, I'm going to be silent for 70 years. Mm-hmm. And everyone claims to speak for me, you know, they're a liar. Um, and you're in exile and you just have to sit there. There's mm-hmm. no rescuing you until mm-hmm. this is over. Big time out. But right. then I have, exactly. But then I know the plans I have for you. We skip that part. Right. Grab, uh-huh. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is for me and my blessing. Not only that, we so misunderstand what salvation is. We somehow think salvation Let's go. is life improvement, mm. not only here and now, but then life in heaven uh, afterwards. Mm. And and that's just so not what the scripture 
paint salvation as. Mm -hmm. So when you start with a gospel that simply says, the point of the gospel is that you're a sinner. Jesus died uh, to take your sin. And so he provides for you now access to God and you get a ticket to heaven when you're. But really, it's more like you get a ticket to not go to hell. If we're honest in in America. Yes. Yes. It's not really about the love of God. It's about our escaping eternal damnation. Yeah, And Mm -hmm. your heaven will be. Exactly what John said in Revelation, that it will literally be streets, streets of gold, gold. Yeah. with mansions and... Yeah, well, because we read it in American capitalistic yeah. terms. So, of course, <laughs> of course, we're, some are going to have bigger mansions than others, because that's what capitalism is. Yeah. Right. right. We have to show status, which is the dumbest... The, if, if Revelation teaches anything, there are no status markers, mm. right, in mm. the life to come, except for the honor given to Jesus and the one who sits on the throne. Mm. And so... And, and I'm, I mean, the only reason I know this stuff is I'm just guilty of it. So I'm a hermeneutical narcissist. Mm-hmm. I'm also part of, and this really will rub people the wrong way. I'm also a part of a military empire and all the attendant benefits and nationalism that come mm-hmm. with being a part of a military empire. Um, I'm, a, I'm a centered, wealthy male um, from the dominant race. I mean, you mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. when you read if you're if you're from um, a minority group, read a read a biblical commentary mm-hmm. from the Latino community or the African American community or whatever, and it's just totally mm-hmm. different sounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we even I mean even the idea that we have black theology yeah. assumes that theology proper is white, and right. so there's. Just that we have to specify. Uh, no, no, it's right. not theology. It's black theology or liberation theology. That's that, right. This is getting me off. But the but the idea is everyone else who's read the Bible came to it as a persecuted Milo minority group, mm-hmm. except for us. Yeah, yeah. We don't come to it as we're, persecuted. We're, the we're unable to take our culture out and our experience out yes, of it. Yes, we're always going to come to it in that way. Yes, so we have to do hard work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To see the fact that this is a this is a book, no matter what empire you're a part of, that challenges the exploitive nature of nations who build greatness. All right, we covered so much in this episode that you'll definitely benefit from giving it more than one listen. I know I'm probably going to need to listen to this a bunch. But one thing we can take away from this conversation is that when we read the Bible without context and curiosity and purely for our personal gain, we miss out on the bigger story that benefits us all. Isn't that wild? It's so crazy to think that I have completely read the Bible for me. Tim Timmons, 2023, to me, for me. I've just not been aware of the other. So would you practice rethinking the Bible with us this week? It's just rethinking our thinking on how we see the Bible. We're not putting the Bible down. We're not giving it less weight. We're actually giving it more weight and wanting to engage it from a more holistic place. So the practice this week is engaging the Bible with new eyes and with new questions. And my encouragement would be to not just say, gosh, I disagree with all this. That's fine if you disagree. But let's have conversations or have some conversations with some people around you on why you disagree. And is there anything here that might be worth rethinking? This was just part one of two episodes from Mike. And next week, uh, Mike encourages us to engage the Bible in a new way by rethinking who the Bible is actually to and who it is actually for. So get ready for that. 
Okay, well, as usual, thank you for listening. Thanks for being a part of this 10,000-minute podcast. If you guys want to get the free text messages, please text 10K to 55678. Once again, 10K10K to 55678, and we'll send you two free encouragements every week. If you want to go to 10,000minutes.com and you can participate in giving with us, whether that's just a monthly thing, that would be amazing. We have a whole team now that we're supporting, and that's you guys that are supporting it. So... Um, a lot of fun things coming up. Thanks, you guys. Our aim is just to help each other join Jesus all week long. So it's so easy just to kind of just do that on Sunday morning. But what's it look like for us to join Jesus literally all week long as a community? So thanks, you guys. Uh, tell your friends about this. And would you rate it if you haven't and like it and hug it if you need to? Okay, bye. Bye.